Welcome to Study the Word Podcast with your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Together we will discover wisdom that leads to salvation and spiritual growth. Here with today's Bible teaching is your host, Dr. Marty Mento. Well, thank you, Randy, and welcome once again to Study the Word Podcast. And if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll be looking at verses 3 and 4. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. We are in this uh, new series, and the series is called The Visible Church in the Last Days. And as I mentioned to you uh, last podcast, that the visible church that we see today in the world around us is not always the true church. Now, there may be at times that the visible church can be the true church, but quite often the visible church that we see today is not really the true church. And there are many different reasons that are really defined by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by the apostles, those who have written the New Testament. As they are carried along by the Holy Spirit, we get an understanding what to expect, especially as we draw closer and closer to the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As I mentioned last time we got together, that the word that comes to mind that really kind of defines the visible church in the last days is the word deception. And it's going to be marked by deception. And and I cannot stress this enough to many of you out there who are listening. Um, I know that most of us would probably say that you're aware of this, but how aware really are you of that reality in the last days? Um, just recently I had someone on uh, which I, I do love and respect and admire as a, a, a brother and sister in Christ. And um, w- they were sharing something with me that gave me the opportunity to share with them. Though I hesitated for a moment, I felt the need or the responsibility to share this with them. And that was the fact that they gave to me um, a video of a particular Bible teacher who was out there today and who is quite prominent uh, on Facebook. And I just gently and lovingly told this individual that they need to truly be careful with the teachings of this individual. Well, right away, they were concerned, and they asked if I knew this individual, and I said, yes, I do. And I said, if you just carefully listen to the very first five minutes of the broadcast and have your Bible open, you will understand that something's not right. And sometimes it is so obvious, and then there are other times it's not so obvious. Now, there's a part of me that doesn't want to consider this individual a false teacher, but believes that this individual who claims to be a Christian, claims to have been given, I guess, the gift of teaching, that's why they're teaching on Facebook and other places, that they're teaching that which is false. They're ignorant. They don't understand, which we are going to talk about later in this series. We're going to kind of break down the distinctions about teachers and hopefully help you understand what the Bible says, because what we ultimately want 
is we want teachers who are gifted by God, who are truly going to rightly divide the word of truth, who are going to speak the truth in love, who are going to take the time, they're going to do their homework, they're really truly going to be well prepared because there is a warning within the scripture that says not let many of you become teachers. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the series. But I thought it was so apropos that here I am in the midst of this series, and I have a very real-life event take place. And again, I pray for this individual. I desire for this individual to understand the truth and to speak truth, especially when they're teaching other people. Now, some of you out there will say, well, you know, what about confronting them? How should we deal with them? Well, we're going to talk about that in the series, but I can tell you this much. At this point in time, I've already tried one time. And when I tried to lovingly confront and talk about what was being taught by this teacher, right away uh, the, the defense went up. They got upset at me. And uh, I don't know, you know, well, I, I'm really confused why, because I've never had any ought with this particular individual. We've never had problems over the past. But they got very defensive. And all I was trying to do was help them to understand that what they were teaching did not line up with Scripture, even though, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit later on, too, in the series, that those who teach falsely or those who are actual false teachers sent by the enemy himself, they will bring Scripture to the forefront. It's what they do with Scripture that becomes the real issue. We'll talk about context We'll talk about adding to, taking away. We'll talk about words have meaning. We'll talk about the uses of, use of language within the scriptures and many different things that hopefully will help you um, to really understand that what is before us today, what we hear, what we see, may not always be the true word of God being preached or taught. And again, I know some people become skeptical. Some people say, well, once again, we're, we're being judgmental. Uh, we're being too critical. We're, you know, whatever they want to come up with. But the truth of the matter is, in the day and age in which we live, we need to be like that. We, we need to teach or uh, test, excuse me, each and every spirit. We need to make sure that what is being spoken is truly the word of God, and it is rightly divided. It is interpreted correctly. It is brought to those who are listening. Um, you know, the truth is brought to them. Uh, this is, remember, every time we pick up the Word of God, um, every word, every jot, every tittle, everything that we find in the Bible, the 66 books which come together as one book, we have to remember that this is a God book. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in this series also because that's one of the biggest um, arguments that we hear today uh, from people who want to denounce Christianity or denounce the authority or reliability, the authenticity of the scriptures themselves is that it, they were written by just mere men, mere men who uh, truly are fallible, um, and they wrote things that maybe weren't true, they didn't understand. I mean, we, we could get really deep into it. And I think today that that's one, if not the first and foremost battleground. That's the upfront fighting. 
That's where the battle is the, 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 the heaviest is in this whole issue about the Bible. And again, for those who aren't Christians, we understand that. But then we have those who claim to be Christians who are, in some cases, saying the same things. That some of the Bible is the Word of God and some of it's not. Which begs to you know ask the question, which part is and which part's not? But we'll talk about these different things uh, later on in this series. Uh, and that's why I have said to you that there is much that we need to cover. It's not exhaustive. We're not going to cover every passage, but we are going to do our best to cover as much as possible. By the way, the last podcast, when I was talking about God speaking out um, against the false prophets of old, there's many different places that you can study and look at that, but one place I just wanted to bring to your attention is the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the prophet of God, in Ezekiel chapter 13, I would encourage you uh, to read chapter 13 and see what God says about his word and about the false prophets and the false priests and things that were going on. And Jeremiah talks about it as God again speaks through the prophet Jeremiah. There is so much within the word of God in regards in the Old Testament to the false prophets. As we learned last time we got together from Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, which defines for us that in the last days in which we live right now, and I'm just going to read that scripture verse here, it says, but false prophets also rose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even deny the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And then it goes on and talking about the many will follow their sensuality, and because of the way of truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And we talked about that, and we got going on that passage, and um, I actually had mentioned Jude uh, verse 4 also, and uh, we covered an awful lot in the last podcast. Well, this podcast is going to be no different. And we're going to start by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And what you're going to see here is Paul writing to young Timothy, the pastor, the young pastor, uh, the one that Paul has taken underneath his wings, and he's been training him and encouraging him. And here's what Paul writes to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. As I urge you upon my departure for Macedonia... Remain on at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering God's provision, which is by faith. Now, as we look at this, um, first of all, we have to understand that Paul um, is greatly concerned that Timothy doesn't leave Ephesus, that he remains there, that he stays there, because there are things that are happening at Ephesus that Paul is greatly concerned about. And obviously, the thing that comes to his attention, the priority is, is that certain men are teaching strange doctrines. Let me stop there for a moment. When I look at this, I begin to realize certain things here in the passage. First of all, 
I realized that not all men were teaching strange doctrines, but certain men were doing so. They were marked out because obviously what they were teaching did not line up with what Paul had been teaching and instructing Timothy in. As a matter of fact, when I look at this and I begin to break it down, I begin to realize here when we're talking about strange doctrine, we're talking about other doctrine, or we're talking about they are being instructed in false doctrine. Uh, their instruction is different, different than what's been handed down to them. So it becomes an issue because obviously if it's false, if it's other than what is to be taught, and certain men are doing this, the concern is that they're going to lead people astray. They're going to cause much confusion within the body of Christ. They're going to cause problems. And we know that throughout the pages of Scripture in the New Testament, that this is something that has happened quite often. It's happened in the preaching of the gospel, where a false gospel message is proclaimed uh, to those at Galatia. And uh, a gospel that wasn't according to the gospel in which Paul himself received, which he also brought to them by which they believed and they were saved, but another gospel, which there really isn't another gospel message. We know that Paul dealt with this issue in Thessalonica with the church, that there were people, certain people teaching things uh, about uh, the return of Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, he was greatly concerned about what they were saying because it was leading people astray. And then there were those who were proclaiming at times, too, that the the resurrection uh, did not really take place or the resurrection of the dead wasn't something that was true. And Paul, when he wrote to those at Corinth, we know that in, in chapter 15, he spends much of that chapter bringing an understanding about the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I could go on and on. There is example after example after example within the pages of Scripture that show us that men who were claiming to be a part of the visible church, they claimed to be followers of Christ, they claimed to be a part of the body, they were teaching other or strange doctrines. Um, And they were instructing people differently. And this obviously was causing much confusion and problems. And again, Paul had to deal with this with young Timothy. You need to stay on at Ephesus. You You need to instruct certain men not to teach these things. And we know that some of the things they were teaching, like, for instance, they were paying attention uh, or occupying themselves with myths which is something not really, it's not new. It's something that has been going on for quite some time, and it's still going on today. People will believe things that are nothing more than myths, uh, things that are really not true, things that are made up, things that we could even say are make-believe, things that have some type of beginning somewhere in history gone by, but there is no truth to them. There is no foundation because they're not found within the pages of Scripture. We also know, too, that they were spending or occupying themselves with much of endless genealogies, 
which give rise to mere speculation. Once again, it's not the truth. It's just speculation. It's their their opinion. It's, it's, it's something that they want to see, and they want to kind of connect the dots and put together and create something that's really not there. And I don't know about you, but there are many examples that take place today uh, in the visible church in so-called Christianity all around the world that are nothing more than myths and genealogies and given rise to much speculation about many different things that have no foundational basis. Uh, They're not scripturally solid. Uh, The evidence is not there, but you know what? People believe them. There are things that are said today. I think in, in the day and age that I have been raised, one of the things that I find is the teaching of the Holy Spirit and his work within the church. That has been an issue that has bothered me for many, many years because people have acquainted many different things with the Holy Spirit. They have claimed many things about the Holy Spirit and his work that are just not biblical. There's no scriptural foundation for it. And there's been a lot of experiential, emotional connection with some of these things, but really not in line with scripture. And it's been something that has been, once again, a, a part of me and my ministry over the years that I have I've taken, uh, I, I guess, great lengths and went to great degrees to try to help others understand, but at the same time, not everyone wants to hear it. Not everyone wants to be accepted. They don't want to sit down and they don't want to reason together. Um, and again, this is a problem today with the visible church. People would rather believe um, in something that is subjective as far as truth goes instead of objective truth. They, they want something that they themselves have experienced. They have felt, they, they, they believe, and even though it may not be found within the pages of Scripture, it, it is their experience, and they want to hold on to it. But when it comes to objective truth, and we want to stand upon what the Scripture says, and we want to look at the past, and we want to look at the context and see what's taking place, and want to see prophecy and prophecy being fulfilled, and things that did happen, and things that are not going to happen, and people trying to recreate scenes and and circumstances and situations that we find from the past, even at the beginning of the New Testament church, it, it all becomes problematic. And then there's people that, once again, find themselves going down these roads, and the further they get down these roads, the darker these roads get, and the more dangerous they get. Um, And and again, this is something that Paul's greatly concerned about when it comes to Timothy and remaining on at Ephesus. Uh, If if you have, I want to put something that would go along with this. If you have your Bibles there, turn to the book of Mark for a moment. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, and I think this is a good passage that would help us also to understand, and it would connect along with what Paul has told young Timothy. But in Mark chapter 7, if you look with me starting in verse 5, it says, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Listen to this carefully. This is, this is very important. He said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. 
but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, anything of mine you might have been helped by is Corban, that is to say, given to God, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus, in validating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such things like that. Now, I'm not going to take the time to break this whole down, but my focus here is obviously the tradition of the elders. And I believe those traditions was like 600 and some traditions that have come up with by the elders that they would say were just as equal or valid as the Word of God itself. But obviously, we see it as traditions of men because these are mere men. These traditions were not given to them by God, uh, but they were themselves taught. They were self-taught, and they kind of came up with and then collectively agreed that these would be the things that should be done and should be taught and practices that should go forward um, when it came to uh, the Jews and how they worshipped and they served God. But rightfully here, Mark makes it clear that Jesus is telling them, listen, these are traditions of men. They came from the elders. But what you're doing is you would rather follow the traditions of men than the commandments of God. You you neglect the commandments of God. You set aside the commandments of God. And then he gives the example, but the reason they do so in order to keep the tradition. And the same is true today, and I have found it, it it is flourishing like never before when it comes to the visible church in the last days. Church after church after church would rather hold to their own traditions, what has been handed down, what has been practiced, what has been believed, than to stand upon the Word of God, the commandments of God the examples that are before us in Scripture, the truth that is spoken to us by God. And I have personally witnessed this and experienced this more than anything else over my many years of pastoral ministry. I have been blessed in many ways by being able to go and to be a part of churches that I did not, you know, I wasn't the founding pastor in some cases, I may have been the 20th or 30th pastor that the church had in its history. But um, nevertheless, what I learned is that there were times when they would hold on to things, and they would hold on to them even unto death. I mean, they were so serious about their traditions that if you in any way, shape, or form, form excuse me, as a pastor— would try to change those traditions. You would try to insert 
the truth and say, well, you know, we don't need to be doing this. There is no real biblical precedent for doing that. Uh, whatever, people would get darn right mean and ugly. And there have been times, and I know even with other pastors too, that have actually been told to leave the church. They've been let go. They've been removed, whatever the case may be, because they believe that the traditions of men were not biblical, and they're not, but the people would rather hold to them than hold to the Word of God. And, you know, I came to learn as the older I got that there are certain traditions of men, certain hills, these battle lines, the certain hills aren't worth dying on. There are some traditions of men that I think is an issue of uh, immaturity uh, or lack of knowledge, a lack of spiritual growth, and hopefully after they grow, after they gain a better understanding as they mature in Christ, uh, many of these things could be laid to rest. And they're not worth fighting over. They're not worth battling. But then there are others that are worth it. And the problem is, is I've always been astonished that these individuals, just like here with Jesus and the Pharisees, the Jews, they would rather hold on to him. They, they set aside the commandments of God. They would rather do things their way, and what has been handed down, what they believe is a part of who they are, which has nothing to do with biblical Christianity. Now, I know some of you listening to this podcast may want some examples, and I could give you a lot of them, but I want to be careful because I, I do realize that by doing so, uh, in one way, it could bring exposure, good exposure, to the reality of what some churches are practicing and what they're teaching and what they're doing that don't doesn't line up with Scripture. But I think for most of you out there listening to this podcast, you probably already know of numerous ones that you have experienced, or maybe you are experiencing presently. For those of you who are pastors who listen to this podcast, you know the struggles, the difficulties. And so my challenge is is uh, something I learned many years ago from my wife, and I thank God for, for my helpmate. And she made it clear that you know, not everyone is on the same level spiritually. Even in the classroom, when you, you know, she's a teacher in school, uh, elementary school, and she has a classroom, we'll say, of 20 students. Not all those 20 students are on par with understanding, we'll say, basic arithmetic. You know, they, there, there may be some who are, are exceptional at math and others who are pretty good and then there's those who are not so good, and then you may have those who, wow, when it comes to math, they are swinging the bat and missing the ball completely. And and she's always reminded me of that when I am teaching the Word of God. Don't don't assume anything. Don't assume because somebody is there and claims to be a Christian or has a Bible in front of them, they really do know and understand what you're teaching and what you're presenting to them. And, you know, for some, it takes some time. So that's why I said there's certain hills that I, I don't think it would be worth dying on. But I do think that we need to shed light. We need to expose and we need to make it clear what the Word of God says versus what it doesn't say. 
And I, I could. there's so many things, examples running through my head right now that I want to just start spewing them out, but it would take so much time. But I, I just want to caution you on this. And the very easy way to see this is to see what is practiced, what is being taught and believed, does it line up with the Word of God? That's the easiest way to deal with it. And quite often that's why I, I found myself, unfortunately but true over the years, in quite a bit of trouble with different churches because I would question it. Some people get mad because who are you to question it? Especially if you're not from around that area. Maybe you're a, a newcomer to the area. Like, I, you know, I'm from up north and I come to the south and some people from the south will say, well, who are you? to come from the north and tell us what to do. And see, i, I got to remind people, it's not a northern, it's not a southern thing, it's not a, a western or an east coast thing. It's What it comes down to simply is this. What does God's Word say? What does the Scripture show us as the examples? What was taught? What needs to be taught and believed? And, and I mean, I could go on and on with this, and I don't want to go too far here in this podcast, but I hopefully you get the understanding. But this is an issue. And we start basically just, I guess in most simplest form, when we start teaching the traditions of men, we're bringing about non-biblical teachings, teachings that is outside of the Word of God. Uh, some would call it extra-biblical, but they're not biblical because you've added something to it, you know, or even taken away from it. You can't do that. You, you can't just create your own doctrines. It's just as bad as the strange doctrines, uh, the traditions of men. And again, coming up with it, and that could even be the case with interpreting Scripture. You know, people ask me all the time, why is there so many denominations in our world? Why is there so much division? Well, it comes down to one word, doctrine, which doctrine means teaching. And unfortunately, but true, there are many out there who have not rightfully, you know, interpreted scripture they have believed certain things and they've got enough people on the same wagon who believes the same thing uh denominations have started churches have started um movements have started because people are on the same page but doesn't mean they're on god's page it doesn't mean what they believe is biblical what it's true and and that's you know that's where i i think we need to learn how to discern. We need to learn how to question. We need to learn how to carefully study the Word of God and to make sure what is being said is truly biblical. Matter of fact, our pastor today at the church, um, he's teaching through the book of John. And um, as I sat there and listened to him and and was enjoying um, the message today, um, he was actually in John chapter 13. And John chapter 13 was um, the, you know, the preparation for the Passover, then the supper, the Lord's Supper, and all that was taking place. And if you remember the story, uh, Jesus at that time um, got away from the table, and he laid his garments aside, and he took a towel, and he girded himself, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which which he was girded with. And if you remember the story, it was Peter said, whoa, you ain't watching my feet. No, 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 wait a minute. You can't do that. And Jesus 
took that opportunity to bring a teaching to them. Now, if you study through this, there are denominations and people out there, groups have believed that feet washing should be a normal practice of the church. But if you study that passage, I'm not sure that we would have to agree or we would have to agree to disagree because I don't think Jesus is talking about a foot-washing ceremony. Yet there are churches out there and denominations that are set apart from others, and one of the things is because they do foot-washing ceremonies. But is that really what Jesus was teaching in that passage? Now, for some would say yes, others say no, but listen to this. I'm not going to divide. I'm not going to break my fellowship with you over the issue of foot-washing. Now, if you would ask me, and I would tell you, as I study the text, and I believe that I could explain and I could show you very clearly that Jesus is not trying to teach them that they need to have annual foot washings together because we're missing really what he's teaching and why he's teaching it. But at the same time, this is a great example. I thought to myself prior to the podcast, here's an example that our pastor has given and teaching very clearly about this taking place, and yet some people have taken it, and they went somewhere else with it. Now, once again, are they adding to the Scriptures? No, because the foot washing is right here in the passage. But have they taken something and created something to be something it wasn't meant to be? Well, I believe so. And again, I believe if you take the time and study the passage, you can you can see this reality that's before you. But at the same time, um, you know, this is an example that may not be the best example because there's others that are much, much more serious, as I've mentioned already before, in teaching and in practices and things that take place. Um, and we have to be careful with that, like the washing of hands of Pharisees. Why don't your disciples wash their hands? Yada, yada. You know, there's certain things that they shouldn't be doing because it was a part of the tradition of the elders or the traditions of men, teaching them not to do this. Not, you know, oh, my, my mind is spinning because there's so many that I could come up with, and, and they're just flogging my head right now, just inside, just beating on me because— I want to bring these examples, but I don't want to get us off the topic. I want to stay focused here and realizing that, once again, this is something in the last days that becomes very problematic. We must be careful of this, that we don't allow the traditions of men, the teaching of things that are of man versus the things that are of God, and rising in above God's commandments, or accepting things that people teach, strange doctrines and things that are not truly to be taught. Um, and I've already mentioned the another gospel. Uh, today, you know, I can say this, my heart aches in this category, and it aches because of all the years that I have spent in Christian talk radio, all the years that I have spent on the air talking with people, especially those within Roman Catholicism, and other groups that are out there who have bought into, I'll just say, into a false gospel. 
a gospel that is man-centered and not Christ-centered, a gospel that is a gospel of works versus a gospel of faith. Um, even though certain language is used and intertwined by Roman Catholics and other groups out there, but the reality is, if you would ask, and I have, I've asked bishops, I've asked priests, I've asked uh, everyday Catholics, Roman Catholics, what must I do to be saved? You begin to realize that the answer that is given does not line up with the Word of God. And it becomes another gospel message. Um, And in that gospel message, another gospel, we know the seriousness that Paul spoke of in Galatians chapter 1 of believing another gospel. Um, Because there isn't another gospel. There's only one gospel message. And Paul says in in Galatians chapter 1 verse 7, Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. That's huge. Uh, I I thought about this as as getting ready for today's podcast. That's huge. Because there are individuals who want to distort the gospel of Christ. And the reason why they want to distort it because they don't agree with it. They don't believe in it. Um, They cannot come to terms with it. And that really is is because of the work of God. When we think about the gospel message being presented and the accepting or the receiving of the gospel, we know that it's a work of God within the individual who is hearing the gospel message. But the gospel today has become more man-centered because men want the gospel, which doesn't belong to them, they want it to be more palatable easier to swallow. They want people to be more accepting of a gospel that is not truly the gospel of God. I have spent, um, I have spent a lot of time on this subject. I have spoken about it. I have taught about it. And for those who know me and understand my the ministry over the years and even all the churches I've been in, this is something that I, it's dear to my heart, because if we get the gospel wrong, we're in trouble. But in the last days, the visible church, this deception that I hear, that I see for myself as I watch so-called Christian TV, I listen to Christian programming, podcasts, and I talk to people, I visit churches, and I hear what is being spoken and taught. There is a gospel that has been distorted. It has been changed by man. And it's not the true gospel. And so if it's not the true gospel, and I just had this conversation about a week ago with somebody, if it's not the true gospel, then that gospel message can't be effective. It won't be because it doesn't have the power of God because it's not true. It's not from God. It's not what God gave to us. So it's powerless. It's not going to change people's lives. It may make people feel good for a time period, but it is going to lose its fizz or fizzle. It's, it's going to lose anything that was brought at forth at that time to the person who's hearing it. 
and it's not going to be life-changing. And over the years, I've written things down in my Bibles, and I've, I've kept them with me, and I, I, I hold on to them because they are so important to me. First of all, we know from the Bible, God's holy word, that it is God's gospel. When we talk about the, the gospel message, we're talking about God's gospel. It's not our gospel, it's God's gospel. Matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. It's God's gospel. So if it's God's gospel, it's not our gospel. It's not man-made. It's not man-centered. It's not man-created. It's cre- it started with God. And we know that within the pages of Scripture, if we want to go back to the Evangelium, uh, we go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first mention of the gospel. We begin to see that the message came from God. And that is of the utmost importance, as we've learned by reading Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, that when it comes to the gospel, there's only one gospel. There's not a different gospel. There's not many gospels. There's just one gospel. And Paul was so emphatic about this, and think about it. This is the word of God. So God is telling us that even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which has been preached to you, let him be accursed. If any man brings to you a gospel contrary to what they had received, let him be accursed. I want you to think about this. This is seriousness in the eyes of God. The gospel message, let them be accursed, let them be condemned, let them be anathema, damned, because of what they're preaching. And folks, I'm just being honest with you. I I have heard so much of this godless gospel that is out there today in our world. And I am so concerned about it, but yet... There are so many who have been blinded, so many claim to see and to hear, and so many who have proclaimed to be preaching the true gospel, and yet they're not, because they themselves have not believed the true gospel. So what they're proclaiming, what they're bringing to other people is not true. And we know from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, We also know from that that passage that according to Paul, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of who? God. See, it comes from God. God is the one who created the gospel message. But it is God's power for what? For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. When I look at this, I begin to understand it's God's power. It's God's doing. And then you go other places, like, for instance, if you have your Bibles, go to go to 1 Corinthians for just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, But to us who are being saved, it is the what? The power of God. Um, 
there is example after example within the pages of Scripture that help us to realize um, this reality. Like, for instance, when, when Peter brings about his very first sermon on the day of Pentecost, it says in verse 37, now when they heard this, then this is the gospel. That this that he's talking about is the gospel. They were pierced or smitten in conscience or pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And we could talk about this and really get in depth about this, but the key is the demonstration of God's power, the gospel message. So if we're not getting the gospel right, and people are believing in a false gospel message, then there really is no evidence of a changed life, a life that is changed by God. Let, let me give you a couple more examples just quickly here uh, as we uh, tr- try to take the time and, and, again, just still focus on this reality that there is a great deception in the visible church in the last days, and it's with those who are teaching that which is false or the false teachers that are sent by the devil himself. But it tells us in First Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only. In other words, it wasn't just mere words that we spoke to you, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. Then if you jump down further and you go to verse 9, for they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. Now, why this is so important, my my friends out there who are listening to this podcast, is because the true gospel message is a message that changes people's lives. I, I've said this so many times before, and, and I will say it again until the day I die. The Bible says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, therefore, if any man is in Christ, if he's in Christ, if he's truly born from above, if he has the Spirit of God in him, if his name's written down in the Lamb's book of life, he is one who has believed, who has received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I could go on and on with that. It says here, those who are in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We see the work. Uh, we, we realize, once again, back from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look with me carefully, if you would, for just a moment at verses 18 down through 25. We already read 18 before, but we, we find as we read down through that God is going to destroy the wisdom of the wise, the cleverness of the clever. He's going to set aside. He asked the question, where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased. Here's this. Listen to this carefully. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. I want you to think about that. Then he goes down here and he says, For indeed Jews ask for signs, Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we see here that that God's method and his message is just that. It's, it's in the gospel. God choose, chose what to say, what needs to be spoken. And obviously when we think about the gospel, it is all about his son, Jesus Christ. It's about who Christ is and why he came. The life that he lived, the suffering he went through, the cross, the dying, the rising again from the grave, the forgiveness of sin, the reality that man is a sinner, that he needs a Savior. I could go on and on, but when we talk about the gospel message, there are distinctives within the gospel. Now, for some of you out there, because this has been asking me quite often over the years, if I were to, you know, go and turn somewhere to get a good, wholesome understanding of the gospel, there are four key points or four distinctions within a gospel presentation, and we find them in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the gospel message is in verses 3 and 4. But if you read verses 1 and 2, Paul says, I made known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Then he, then he gives to them the gospel message. He tells them about the life in there, the death, the resurrection, the prophecies fulfilled, our hope uh, that Christ died for our sins. So we're sinners. We need a Savior. He is the only answer. And, and I could go on and on with this, but what we have here is the gospel of God. And God's message was to be brought forth by God's method, and that is the proclaiming or the preaching of the gospel. We think about the gospel, it's all about God's kingdom. It's all about his son, who is the king of the kingdom. But the gospel must be received, it must be stood upon, it must be held fast. But once again, it's God's gospel. It's to be received by faith. And there's so many things we could talk about this. We could talk about the Bible refers to the gospel as a message of hope, as the gospel of truth, the gospel of grace. And so many things that we could talk about the gospel. We could be here literally podcast after podcast after podcast and, 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 and just continue because there's so much to share. But once again, in the last days, the deception that is out there really is going to be amongst these people who are proclaiming strange doctrines, proclaiming the traditions of men, superseding the Word of God, these non-biblical teachings outside of the Word of God, 
but they're also going to be characterized by proclaiming a different or another or simply a false gospel, a man-centered gospel. And with all of that, too, what you're going to get is just simply this, men who are teaching legalism. You'll get those who are talking about adhering to the law. Uh, they, they are going to be like the Judaizers, um, which teach also a doctrine of salvation by works. But they're going to be teaching people that they must do this and must do that. Just like those who are trying to teach those at Galatia, you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. If you're not circumcised, you won't be saved. There are people out there who teach if you're not baptized in the waters of baptism, you can't be saved. What do we do with the thief on the cross? Well, some would say that's the exception to the rule. Is it really? Now, should we be baptized? Yes, we have example before us. But at the same time, if a man or a woman is not baptized, will they perish in hell and experience the wrath of God? There's so much, I think, that we need to slow down at times and look at very carefully and and clearly within the pages of Scripture. But we'll have people teach certain things. You can't eat certain foods, as Peter would dealt with that issue. You, you, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't be near certain groups of people. You know, they, they were outcasts because people were idolaters. You didn't get near them. You didn't talk to them. You didn't acknowledge them. You couldn't eat with certain people. You couldn't do I mean, we, we could go on and on, but legalism is huge today. The do's and the don'ts. Some ter- churches teaching that you must be in a suit and a dress in order to come into the house of God. The preacher must be in a white shirt to show purity. Now, some of these may sound silly to some of you, but they're, they're out there left and right. There are those who believe that you can only do certain things, that you can't, you can't participate in certain things in this world. If you do so, you're defining yourself as a part of this world and that you're a heathen and you're really truly not a child of God. And we can go on and on. But legalism, it's, it's a part of this whole mess of this deception that's taking place today within the visible church in the last days that is truly not of God. And the bottom line is, as we come back next time, we're going to show exactly how bad it's going to get. And we're going to show from the scriptures what will take place with some people out there, which is truly problematic, not everyone, but why it's important to know what we believe and why we believe it. It's important to recognize the false teachers and even those who are teaching falsely by having good discernment, solid discernment, because you truly are a student. You are a student of the Word of God. Thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast with Bible teacher Dr. Marty Minto. If you have questions in regards to today's study or any questions about the Bible and or spiritual issues, then email us at studythewordpodcast at gmail.com. We hope through today's teaching you have learned biblical truth so that you can teach others and defend the Christian faith. Tell others about Study the Word Podcast available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor.fm. Once again, thanks for listening to Study the Word Podcast. With Dr. Marty Mento.